Welcome, New Life Manitou. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord together. Would you all stand with me as we prepare for worship? Let's enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise and come expectant for a fresh move of the Spirit this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. Come and blow. 
I sense that there's some in the room that have been going through a deep valley. And the Lord has been incredibly close to you, but it's still been hard. We sing of something even truer than our circumstances, and that is that we serve a strong God who's capable of anything. And nothing is too big and nothing is too hard for him. So the invitation this morning is to trust again, to believe that the Lord loves you and he wants what's best for you. So Lord, we sing that again in faith this morning. And if that's you, I just invite you to surrender whatever it is with open hands as we sing this together. Sign of surrender. Now 
open your hands and though we thank you that you're here Lord your presence is of, of the presence of God is here and Lord we are filled up by you in this room and we open our hands to you as a symbol that Lord we're here to serve you we're here to give you our lives we're here to give you our day our week whether it was good or bad Lord we, we enter this place with thanksgiving your courts with praise because you God are good and holy and awesome, and we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we stand here this morning, uh, this weekend was a very special, special weekend in the life of our church. We had our sixth annual men's retreat, and so if you look around and, and you see some of the men, like Alan here has, has his shirt on. I should have had mine, but my son burnt holes in his, and so I gave him mine. Long story. Anyways, if it smells like campfire in here, it's because, well, we had about 30 men go on this retreat, and, and they're back from the mountains now. And it was one of those times and spaces where we got into the woods and we worshiped the Lord. We got to know one another deeper. And we had sessions about your journey begins in the wilderness. And it was a lot of work. I, there's a comedian that says, uh, my parents never took me camping 
because they loved me. <laughs> and the, the amount of work it takes to, to bring 30 dudes in the, in the wilderness and have really good food and set up all the tents, it was astounding to look at the men. And it's like, oh, this is an image of the church. Corbin, wherever he is, he brought three extra sleeping bags for guys. Justin, I think of Ken Wallers, wherever he is. Uh, Chris Ayers, we're just serving the whole time. James and John Shellimer led sessions and discussion groups. Um, I, I'm just like, where's Jamie? Jamie brought his, brought his fly rod and was teaching guys how to fly fish up there. And it was just one of those weekends where everybody was jumping in and serving. And it's, that's an image of the church where people receive joy from serving. People receive like, this is our meaning in life. We're, we're here to serve other people as we love God. And what an image of the church. What an image of coming together as, as New Life Manitou. We believe in making disciples in the Pikes Peak region, in Manitou Springs, the West Side. That's why we exist. So, so many of us come here and we're part of different teams. We have a, we have a volunteer team, a kids team downstairs set up, tear down the weekly teams, a women's ministry, men's ministry for a small church. Like the amount of involvement in this room is just crazy. It's astounding how many volunteers we have per members of this church. And I think it's just, what an image of, of Christ serving the church. What an image of us having the spirit of God in us and serving what the kingdom of God is doing. Amen to that. Can you say amen? If you're new to this church, uh, there's different ways to give financially. It's mainly online ways. There's a box in the back, but I want to encourage you wherever you give, would you find a place in church? If this is your home church and you say, oh, this is my home, would you plug in here? Would you get on a team? Would you welcome the Lord's work inside of you? You will receive so much joy from serving. Let's pray over this offering time. Lord, we thank you that you are inside of us. Your joy is in us. The flame of love, your Holy Spirit is working inside of us and inside this church. Lord, we sing the rest of this song to you. Flame of love, Lord, you are holy and awesome and good. And we give you our worship in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
you are filling your people today. We love you, we worship you, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. At this time, the kids can be dismissed to go to their classes. The rest of you turn and greet one another. Thank you for coming. We'll be right back up here with the word in just a moment. All right, good morning, everyone. You could talk back to me. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. If it uh, uh, seems like a great Sunday, that's because it is a great Sunday. Just high hopes of what the Lord is going to do amongst us. Uh, this Tuesday is a very special day on your seats. Uh, there are these little cards we have been having and will have a once a month extended prayer time in the evenings, just an hour on Tuesday nights. So the next one coming up is September 12th. And this is leading to our November 14th album recording. We have recorded or we have written our band. My wife, uh, Pastor Erica, has written uh, songs of new life, Manitou worship, original songs. We sing, we sing them all the time. You probably know many of them. And we're going to record them on an album on November 14th. And so come on Tuesday, come expectant that, that the Lord is going to move and you are going to fall into his presence and fall more in love with the Lord uh, with an extended time of worship. That's right. 
right here on Tuesday night, 6.30. Uh, also, our kind of our outreach this fall is Operation Christmas Child. And so as you leave, you'll notice some shoe boxes back there. We're, we're partnering with this big organization that sends boxes all over the world to kids. It's got fun things in these boxes, toys and things that they need. And they go all over the world, our um, range of of kids we're buying boxes for our boys eight to ten and so we're going to make these boxes and we're going to send them and it's got invitations to a local ministry outreach wherever they're at i think our boxes are going to be uh scheduled to go to south america so just a really cool opportunity to serve and as our church we're going to put these boxes together in a couple sundays on september 24th but those are your announcements uh, i have a great uh surprise for you today because a guest speaker is going to speak uh we have have the one and only Jordan Lewis in the house. Um, she spoke here a couple times. She's a friend now to our church. She's an incredible speaker. She's a poet, someone who really knows the word of God. And when I asked her to speak, guess what she did? She thanked me for the opportunity. I'm like, well, don't thank me. Like, we're thanking you. Like, you, you're opening the word. It's hard to open up scriptures and to put yourself out there and to preach a message. And so she's going to preach a message on 1 Kings, and we're delighted to have her. You know, a couple, it's been less than a year uh, in November, I preached a whole sermon about women in ministry, and we talked about how the, the Bible, Old and New Testament, has examples and biblical antecedent for women uh, teaching preaching, leading. I was just looking this week at the, the little, it's like one little verse in the book of Acts where Priscilla and Aquila, a husband and wife, take in Apollos to teach him the word of God. And then Apollos becomes this great missionary who, who speaks all over the known world at the time. It's like, well, there's, there's a woman there who, who teaches one of the greatest missionaries alongside of Paul in the book of Acts. And so we, we have uh, to recognize when the Lord has put gifts on people. She's a part of the executive team at New Life North with a Friday night. She's not just a leader. She's a good speaker. And so would you join me in opening up your hearts to the word of God as we welcome Jordan Lewis. Come on up here. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hi, friends. Good morning. Um, I, some of you have, may have noticed I walked up here barefoot I don't normally preach barefoot. Um, it's, you know, a bit unprofessional, if you will. Um, but I really feel like it's a holy day. I feel like this is holy ground. Um, and when Joe mentioned to me over email that a bunch of the guys were, you know, smelling that campfire, going to come back from the retreat, I really do feel like this is um, sacred space. I'm reminded of in the book of Exodus when Moses encounters the spirit of the Lord for the first time. It's at a burning bush. And the Lord says to him, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. So I feel like as a Manitou family, I love that I get to be a friend of Manitou, a part of your family. Um, and so before I get into scripture, let's take a moment of prayer and we will proceed. God, thank you. Thank you that your presence is here. You don't have to come, but you always do. You are a good father who cannot resist running to your kids when they call. God, I thank you that when we call, you always answer. As the prophet and poet Isaiah says, while we are yet praying, you send the answer. So God, we thank you for the answers. 
God, I lift up my friends here who have broken hearts, who have uncertain minds, who feel like their lives are filled with chaos. God, I thank you that you are not afraid of chaos. You are the same spirit who hovered over the deep before the beginning. So God, as we come here together, not to hear my words, but to hear yours. God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray that, you would encounter, that we would encounter you. And God, I pray that we would be transformed because of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I was born and raised in Colorado Springs, so about 25 minutes south. Um, and once I left for college, I was never going to move back to the Colorado Springs. I'm like, it's a giant suburb. I'm a city girl. I don't want to live here ever again. You see how that worked out because here I am. So I went to school in Denver, moved to Utah, lived in Utah for about five years, and then was going to go see the world and explore the world. But the Lord reeled me back here. Um, and I had a whole business career. And I'd come back here expecting, one, to not be here, but two, to continue on with my business career. And again, you see how that worked out for me. But when I moved back, I somehow found myself in the book of 1 Kings. And I don't remember if it was part of my reading plan or if I just opened up my Bible and just started reading 1 Kings, which is something I do not recommend, but that I do. Um, so I don't know how I stumbled upon the book. But as I was reading 1 Kings, I was really intrigued by Solomon's story. I'm like, this guy is the wisest king. He's legit. I want to be like him. But as I read through the book, and as y'all have been studying and reading through the book of 1 Kings, you see that Solomon starts out well, but something goes sideways. And by the end of the book of 1 Kings, you're like, this man's life and this king lineage that he had, descent, like it just disintegrated in a way where it's like, what, what happened here? And so as we're going to be in 1 Kings 9 and 10 today, um, and as we're looking at these two chapters, I, I kind of want to share with y'all a bit of a hinge point in this story, where when I think about it, I want to live to be about 105 years old. So just be an obnoxious old person who's just uh, get off my lawn, kind of an old lady. That's going to be great. Um, but it's, it's, I'm in my 30s now, and thinking about First Kings, where it's like, oh, I want to be like Solomon wait a minute, Solomon goes sideways. Is that all that I can expect from life? It's more and more we hear about this pastor fell or this, you know, this high leader is in court and this person's getting sued and this person, we thought they were great, but it turns out they suck and they're the worst. It's like, it feels like, are there any heroes? Are there any people who are faithful? Are there any people who um, make it in life? So I feel very sobered um, where I'm kind of like, Lord, is, it, is my failure inevitable? Like when I get to 105 and see Jesus, is, am I, am I going to make it? Am I going to be proud to stand before, before God? Um, and so that's my personal goal. That's the vulnerability that I'm bringing to you, that as I read these couple of chapters, it's kind of, God, how can I make it to the end? But I do believe that the Lord lays it out for us in scripture, but also in these two chapters. Yes, you can make it. Solomon, you know, this is a hinge point in the story. 11th, chapter 11 through the end of the book, you'll find out Solomon doesn't make it. His family doesn't make it. But I really believe that the scriptures 
teach us how to be excellent and how to stay focused on the Lord by good example, but also in this case, um, not a poor example, but just here's how we can turn astray, but we don't want to turn astray. We want to keep on the path. Um, so it's easy to grow complacent in the Christian life, but the Christian life is a life of active faith and active engagement, and that's what I want us to focus on today. So let's start with the text, 1 Kings 9, 1 through 9. It reads like this. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. Quick side story. When the Lord, when Solomon was going to become king, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, Solomon, I will give you anything you ask for. And Solomon could have asked for riches. He could have asked for the obliteration of his enemies. But instead of asking for something for his own benefit, he asked for wisdom to lead the people. And that's kind of how we know Solomon as Solomon today, because of the wisdom he asked for. So here, it's God appears to him a second time, as he did at first. Verse 3, and the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them. And the house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss. And they will say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. When I read this text, I've spent a lot of time in scripture. I grew up in the church. So I know that God isn't being mean, but he sounds kind of like he's being mean if you don't know how the Lord works. What's interesting about this passage of scripture is that it comes right after Solomon had built the temple and dedicated the temple to the Lord. And so Solomon made this huge grand accomplishment um, for God in chapter eight, where you know he spent all these years, all this money, like all these people helped build the temple of the Lord. Like think about the White House and Buckingham Palace and the Taj Mahal all put together times a thousand. That was Solomon's temple that he built for the Lord, right? So you would think, at least I would think, I won't speak for y'all, I will speak for myself. I would think that the Lord would say, would visit Solomon as he did at first and say, Solomon, good job. Like you did this huge thing for me. I'm so proud of you. Therefore, I will establish your throne forever because you accomplished something amazing for me. But that is not what the Lord says. The Lord says, as far as your accomplishment, as far as what you built, great. 
I will establish my name forever. I will, my heart and my eyes will be on the temple you built for me, this accomplishment, this thing that you did for me. But as for you, there is a requirement I have on you, and I need you to establish yourself and keep my commandments and walk in my statutes and walk in my way. Just because you made this huge accomplishment for me, just because you did this amazing epic work that your father couldn't do, no one has done, to this day, there hasn't been anything like Solomon's temple. So Solomon did something that no one before him had done and no one after him has done. But the Lord wasn't impressed with that. He was, great, I, I, will, I heard you, I heard your prayer. This place will be consecrated for me. But as for you, I don't just want your accomplishments to be consecrated for me, I want you to be consecrated for me. When the, the Hebrews would have heard this story, they would have immediately thought about Deuteronomy. When they were freed from the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt and were led out through the wilderness, before they crossed over into the promised land, the Lord said to them, hey, I'm giving you this promised land, I'm giving you this great thing, but I need you to obey me. I need you to walk in my statutes and walk in my ways and do, do the things that I'm asking you to do. And in De Deuteronomy 28, there's a whole list of blessings for obedience. If you obey me, your kids will be blessed, your mom and dad and them will be blessed, your dogs will be blessed, all your crops will be blessed, everything blessed, right? And then there's a long list of things where it's like, if you don't obey me, you're going to be cursed. And again, it's not because God is mean. Think about the garden where the Lord provided everything for, for Adam and Eve. Every tree they could think of, they had everything they needed. And the Lord said, you can eat of everything except this one thing. Not because God was testing them for them to fail, but because when it comes to loving the Lord, which is what our lives are about, it matters that we choose him. It matters that we say, I'm gonna say no to everything over here and I am going to say yes to God with everything that I have. That is what the Lord is going for. And when I think about this, it's not because in Solomon's case, where it's this temple, this accomplishment, this thing that we do for the Lord. It's we, the temple, we, God's people. God is a dad, and he's always about family. And when we think about our lives and think about what we're doing, it's because we belong to God and our lives belong to God. And I'll put it this way. God's temple isn't a temple made by human hands. God's temple is a mosaic made of human hearts. And so when we're looking at the first few verses of um, 1 Kings 9, it's not that God wasn't happy with the accomplishment. Again, that's great. Solomon did this great work for the Lord. It's because God wants something deeper than just the things we can do for him. He wants our hearts. And that's really what the temple of the Lord is. That is what we are thinking about when we're thinking about how to live our lives. Not just doing things for God, but living our lives as the people of God. So God sounds severe where he's like, you need to follow my commandments. You need to follow my statutes. You need to follow what I'm doing. But it's not because he's severe. It's because he knows that we as his people, his sweet adorable children that he loves so much are prone to go astray. And this is true. We experience that. It's like, have y'all heard the phrase, if you don't use it, you lose it, you know? So I think about like those of you who have done Whole30 or have done some sort of fad diet or like a couch to 5K, you know, type of the thing. 
what happens? Like you do Whole30, you do the couch to 5K, and then as soon as the 30 days are up, or you know, as soon as you cross the finish line for the 5K, what do you do? You go back to eating fried Oreos and you go back to sitting on your couch, right? Like, because that it, that's normal. Like, that's a great, like I had this focus, I had this thing I was doing, I did it and now I'm done and now I'm back to doing what I was doing before if we don't have a habit and don't have a practice. I like eating what I wanna eat, so I've never done Whole30. And I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna do a 5K. So I just sit on my couch, just couch to couch to couch. That's what I do. But I have spent a lot of time studying different languages. So from the time I was in fifth grade all throughout college, I studied Spanish. I got so good at one point that I got to study abroad in Spain my junior year of college and lived with the host family that for me to qualify to live with them, I like they didn't speak any English at all. They knew the word ham, left, and that was it. So it's like I had to be pretty fluent to live with this family. I got so good at one point that I even started having dreams in Spanish, which is when people say like, you're pretty fluent when you start having dreams, right? So that's, that was my, I took, you know, international law classes in Spanish, economics classes in Spanish. Like I was very robust with the language. And then what happened? I came back from Spain and I stopped speaking Spanish. And now today, that was several years ago. Um, I look young, but I'm not several years ago, um, and now I speak little to no Spanish at all, and it is quite the shame. But it's because when I came back from Spain, I didn't keep, I took a couple more classes, but then I graduated from college, didn't speak to my friends, you know, who spoke Spanish, stopped reading, stopped doing these things, because I was like, oh, like, now I'm back in my home, I can just speak English, you know, and it's like, and to be honest, I'm kind of impatient, so learning the language was fun for me, but I'm like, but I don't, I wanna say what I wanna say, when I wanna say it, how I wanna say it, and so I'm not gonna like be patient with this language at all, which is my, one of my many flaws. But anyway, so, but it's if we don't use it, we lose it. Like if you don't keep on a good Whole30 diet, you're gonna go do something else. If you don't keep running and practicing after you do your 5K, you're just gonna go back to your couch. Or if you're me, if I didn't keep learning Spanish and practicing it and speaking with people who are fluent in the language, now I've lost it. And it's, it's a, I use light examples just to prove the point that if we don't stay consistent and stay on the path that God has for us, it's really easy to turn aside and just go do something else that's more natural or more normal for us. So Solomon finishes this great work, does this whole thing, but he neglected to continue to follow the Lord. So the temple was a completion of the work, but also it was the beginning of the end. And when I think about 1 Kings 9 and 10, they tell us one thing, that a life of wisdom is a life devoted to pursuing the heart of God. A life of wisdom is a life devoted to pursuing the heart of God. Wisdom isn't just head knowledge. Proverbs says it, that wisdom begins with a fear of the Lord. And Solomon's story is pretty humbling because he started out well and then ended up turning aside, as y'all will see in the rest of the book. Just like his father, David, David had this great accomplishment, did mighty works for the Lord. But then in a time when kings were supposed to go to war, David decides to stay at home. And what happens, for those of you who know the story, he ends up sleeping with someone else's wife, one of his generals, then ends up having that general killed. And it's a whole, 
disaster, a desecration of David's um, legacy and of his purity and of his heart for the Lord. And of course, David repented before the Lord and all turned out well. Solomon is Bathsheba's son. So it's like it, it there was, was redemption, but also it's like a, hey, it's, it's easy, even when you do great things for the Lord, to, to go astray or get um, off track or, or turn aside just if you don't stay focused on what God has for you. But so that's that's first Kings nine where it's, you know, Solomon finishes this great work and the Lord's like, hey, man, stay on the right path. Then in chapter 10, something interesting happens where Solomon receives a visit from the queen of Sheba. So let's read these verses. First Kings 10, one through seven. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he had offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came, and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. What's fascinating to me about this visit from the queen is that it's almost like a mirror of sorts, where Solomon sought wisdom at first, and that's how he became King Solomon, because he asked God for wisdom. And he had this big accomplishment. It's almost kind of like, what else should I do? Like, I'm, I'm wis I have wisdom. I'm a great king. I did all these great things. But the queen of Sheba comes. She could have stayed in her own land. She could have minded her own business. <clears throat> she could have said, I don't believe, you know, anything that I'm hearing, whatever. I'm also a great queen. But she doesn't do that. She comes out of her way, brings all these gifts, does all these things, and sits before Solomon and asks him for wisdom. So it's almost like this just, um, this mirror of Solomon asked for wisdom, but stopped asking. But the queen of Sheba almost serves as like a mirror. Like, I don't have to ask for wisdom, but I'm coming to you to ask. And it's almost like a, an irony of sorts, where Solomon stopped doing the things that he did at first. And this queen comes as an example almost of, hey, like, you need to keep asking. You, you never arrive. You, yes, there's no king greater than you, but almost like a, I wish Solomon had said, hey, she's asking me for wisdom. I'm going to keep asking God for wisdom. I had this great accomplishment. I'm going to keep pursuing the Lord, um, which to me is just, it's interesting. But we never outgrow our need for God. We never outgrow our need for God. Solomon still needed God. And so the queen comes, and I wish, I wish the story read that the queen comes and Solomon kept seeking wisdom from the Lord, but that's not what happens. But when we forget that our lives are not just to get things from God or to do things for God, but to live life with God in his presence and for his glory, we miss the whole point. 
It's not getting things from God. God wants to give us good things. He's a good father. He wants to help us. We can ask God for things. It's not just about doing things for God, even though for all of us, God knows the plans that he has for us. God has created each of us with good works that he has planned for us to do. That's true. But when you think about the purpose of your life, it is about being with God in his presence and for his glory. I'll put it this way. A life of absolute devotion to God is a life where we seek God daily and crucify everything that keeps us from him. Seek God daily and crucify everything that keeps us from God. From Genesis to Revelation, the spirit leads his people into a life that's devoted to God. Psalm 119, this long psalm dedicated to the word of the Lord, says, how can a young person keep their way pure? And the answer is by living life according to the word. Even Jesus says, you can't serve God in money. It's like money will compel us, will pull us, even though it's a good thing. If we live our lives devoted to anything other than God, we, we can't be torn. We get, we get pushed aside. We get um, turned aside to something other than God. Jesus himself also says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Because Jesus knows that if you are not focused every day, picking up your cross every day, it's easy to miss the things of God. I think about this word from the resurrected Jesus in Revelation 2, 3 through 5 to the church at Ephesus. It says this, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Do the works you did at first. We are invited to remember Jesus and return to God. We remember and we return. Remember and return. And it's a constant and daily practice from today all the way to when we see Jesus prayerfully for all of us many years from now. The church at Ephesus had great accomplishments. I mean, they were enduring patiently. They were focused on the Lord. They were not putting up with false teaching. They were epic. They were like super saints. But Jesus says, yeah, that's great. I see you. I'm proud of you. Good job. But you've abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned your first love. And today I feel this in my spirit where it's not a word of, oh, hey, hurry up and figure it out. If you snooze, you lose. It's a, a longing from the spirit for God to have his people that all of us would return to the love that we had at first. For those of you who are believers, what did you do at first when you got saved for the first time at youth camp or at a little church wherever you were or at home with your family? Like, what was that first excitement? What was that first joy? Like, I want us to remember that and ask the spirit to stir that back up in us. Or think about someone you love, how you pursue someone you love, a friend or a family member or a spouse for those of you who are married. You're intentional with them. You spend time with them. You, you are um, focused on, on how to be close to them. And that's what the Lord wants from us. That's what I think Solomon missed. He just did this great thing and then allowed his heart to be turned aside and led astray, as you'll, you'll read later. But Solomon sought wisdom at first. The queen of Sheba sought wisdom. And my question to y'all is, what are you seeking? 
there are lots of things to seek. There are lots of distractions. There are lots of things that are good but aren't God. There are lots of things where it's like, oh, but the Lord gave me this business and I'm being faithful or the Lord gave me this family or the Lord gave me this idea. All that is good, but nothing can come before God. Solomon did a great work, but he allowed that work to make him be complacent and he forgot the Lord. I don't want us to forget the Lord. The Bible says to seek the Lord while he may be found. Let's seek God. Solomon's story doesn't end well, but I really believe ours can end well. And the way to do that is by living a life that's filled with God. And it's, it's Solomon's story is sobering, but not all kings fall. It's easy to think, okay, this isn't going to go well or this is going to be bad, but not all kings fall. And I really believe that the Lord, you know, you read from Genesis to Revelation over and over and over and over again. God is saying, return, seek me, return, follow me, return, follow my commandments, follow my statutes. Not because he's a curmudgeon and is so like a tyrant, but it's because he wants his people. And that's how we get to focus our lives. And so we know this. We've grown up in church or we're here on, you know, most Sundays or we know the popular thoughts. But as far as pursuing God and living a life devoted to him, two quick things that I'll um, share with you as the band can come back up. But the first is daily prayer and Bible reading. Solomon, um, you know, wrote the Proverbs. There are 31 of them. So something easy to do is one a day. So you can start today with Proverbs 1, or if you're like me, I'm like, but it's the 10th, so I'm going to start with 10. Um, start with whatever you want. But reading a proverb a day, you all can do this with your spouses or with your families or on your own. But reading a proverb a day and asking God, hey, give me wisdom, give me help, like lead me and guide me, like that's an easy way to stay focused on the things of God. Also being in community. Solomon, as Dr. Joe and others will teach in the coming weeks, Solomon's downfall came because he associated with the wrong people. Being in a community of people who are following God and are pursuing a life with God is the way to get us to um, stay on track with the things that the Lord wants us to do. So daily prayer, Bible reading, being in community, two easy things, but that keeps us on a path with the Lord. Narrow is the road that leads to life. But if you follow the way of Jesus and devote yourself to the Lord, you will live a life of light. I'll pray that over us as Dr. Joe comes back up. God, thank you so much for this holy moment. God, I pray that as we worship and take communion, God, that your hearts would be stirred to return to you, to do the things that we did at first. God, I thank you for the scriptures that teach us and exhort us to stay on the right path. God, I pray for each of my friends in this room over myself, for those watching online. God, your word says that the path of the righteous is like the full dawn, shining brighter and brighter until the fullness of day. God, I pray that our lives would be bright. God, I pray that our lives would not be dim in any way. God, for those of us who have gone astray in our hearts in any way, God, I thank you that this is a gentle reminder and encouragement to return to you, to stay on the path to follow you. So God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I ask that the deep would call unto deep, 
that we would be stirred in our hearts to return to you and not abandon our first love, but do the things that we did at first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The communion servers can come forward. As a congregation, we often pray this prayer. It's a prayer we pray in unison, and it's our response to the Lord. Like, what, what if we have wandered from the Lord? What if we have messed up? What if we've turned our back knowingly upon the Lord? Where do we go from there? Well, the place to go is confession. So we're going to say this prayer together. It'll be up on the screens. Would you join me not just in saying it, but praying it with your heart? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. We're going to receive communion together. This is an opportunity to come forward. We're going to go row by row and just come up here and receive. The communion servers will say, Christ's body and blood for you. All who believe in Jesus, you're invited to come. You're invited to receive. Would you receive the elements and go back to your seat and just hold them? I'll come back up and we'll all receive them in unison. As we come, let me pray this over you. Lord, may we come to your altar knowing that you have redeemed us. We come walking towards your cross knowing that it's your gift inside of us, your grace, your mercy that we're able to receive from your kingdom and from your table. Lord, we come now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We confess we have done what is evil in your sight against you and you only have I sinned in my thoughts
Take the bread you've received and lift it up. Christ said that his body is broken for us. This is our strength. This is our sustenance that, that we will receive this and it'll be our strength until we see him in the new kingdom and the kingdom that's yet to come. This is a reminder that the grace that is, that is poured out from God is inside of us. So would you receive this bread with me? Jesus also took a cup on the night he was betrayed and he said, this is a new covenant, a cup of a new covenant. My blood shed for you, a reminder, a mystery of Christ's blood, his life shed for us, God's life on the cross killed for us. So would you receive this with me in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we've received these elements, your body, your blood, broken and shed for us. Lord, we come to you this day and we say, Lord, would you continue to fill us? Would you fill us all this week with your presence, with your love? Lord, may we go from here proclaiming your goodness, making disciples in the Pikes Peak region. Lord, would you work inside of us? Would you let your kingdom come and your will be done in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, 
Amen. Well, if you want prayer, I'll be down here. Jordan will be down here. A team of people will be with you. If you would like prayer, come on down. We would love to pray for you. If you're new or newish, if you visited another New Life congregation, if this is your first or maybe 100th time coming to Manitou and you've never filled out the, the guest card, we'll put you on our email list. Uh, you could do the QR code on the backs of the chairs or outside. We have a paper version. You could put your name and your email as much or as little information as you want to give us a couple more announcements. This uh, Tuesday, 6.30, right here, we're going to have a night of worship. We're going to sing songs of praise for one hour. We're leading up into the time on uh, in November where we're going to record that album and of original Manitou songs that we have sung and we've written. Uh, one more announcement is that Operation Christmas, we are, have the boxes in the back, information of things you can bring so that in a couple weeks we can put those together and send them all over the world, sending the good news of Jesus uh, to kids, uh, especially in Latin America. Boys, six to eight is our, uh, uh, I guess, the kids we're going to send them to. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me pray a blessing over you. Would you just open your hands? Lord, may you bless us and keep us. As we leave from here, Lord, send us in your goodness and in your glory. Lord, make your face to shine upon us. Lord, we worship you and praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Go in peace.